um, I got here a little earlier than normal and discovered quickly that I had forgotten some things at home. So we, we got all of our stuff, immediate stuff prepared and ready to go. And then I ran back home. And uh, how many of you have, have found it uh, a great place to really hear from the Lord when you're by yourself in your car? Anybody? When, when you're by yourself in your car and, and, and maybe, there's some, maybe there's some Jesus music on the radio or, or maybe there's no music on the radio and you're just hearing his voice and sometimes you talk and sometimes you speak to him but other times you just shut up and listen. I've discovered the older I get, the more I just like to shut up and listen because he's so much wiser than me and he has so much more for me than I could ever imagine. And so I'm, I'm, I'm driving to my house and, and God says, there, there are some people this morning who are really tired. Not just tired because they're physically tired, but just tired. Life is hard. And so he said, I, I want you to tell them, I know you're tired, but I have a word for you. And so I'm so glad that you're here this morning because God knows you're tired and he knows that it's hard. He's seen the struggle that you've had over the last year or two. And he says, I have a word for you. And that word is freedom and breakthrough and joy. The Bible says, though there's sorrow in the night, joy comes in the morning. And so we are knee deep in this servant leader series. And it's been such an amazing journey and such an eye-opening study. All of this started in the 1970s by a man named Robert Greenleaf. He coined the term servant leader. He wrote a point paper about it. And it's been studied all over the world by Christians, by people in seminary, by, by Bible scholars. And really, it's just a study in the life of Christ, but somebody actually put it into the context. And all the different things that we've been learning about and, and talking about are simply the life of Christ. But what has God called us to be as Christians? He's called us to be in his image. As, as you go down this journey, as you, as, you, as you press in, the result is you become more like Jesus. So, so throughout the week, when you are struggling, when you're dealing with different things, like this week there were some frustrations that came up for me, and the thought that was taken captive was, Am I being Christ-like? And then, of course, the immediate response is no. Then what am I doing? But it's painful to take a look at those hard things. It's painful. So the topic today is this, and we have it. 
The servant leader, next one, the servant leader presses into the pain. Presses into the pain. I am working with a personal trainer, and when I am done doing the torturous things that this person puts me through, she then wants me to press into the pain by taking this foam roller and putting it underneath my, whatever these are called, and rolling back and forth, and it hurts really, really bad. But then somehow, that pain isn't so bad later. And then I flip over and whatever these are, the quads, I roll those out and I'm on the verge of tears. <laughs> and then on your side and these here and you're rolling these things out and you're pressing into this pain and it hurts. It, it's like, wow, this is, is this worth it? Yes. Because something is coming as a result. So the servant leader presses into the pain, knowing it will be used to benefit others. Follow along with me back there. The servant leader presses into the pain, knowing it will be used to benefit others. I know that as I get healthier, God will be able to use me more and more. The servant leader presses into the pain, knowing it will grow them to new levels and new responsibilities. I'm looking forward to the day where I can do squats and planks like nobody's business, and it won't hurt as bad, and I'll be able to press through and just be strong. The servant leader presses into the pain, knowing the pain and adversity is where real transformation takes place. If I didn't get up and go and press through the pain, there would be no transformation in my body. If you didn't get up and deal with some of the struggles that you're dealing with, there would be no transformation in your situation. The servant leader presses into the pain knowing that God can be found in the middle of it. servant leader presses into the pain because he knows that's where true relationships are forged or strengthened. Recently, I was at a Foursquare event. I was invited to come down and meet with leaders from all over the country, and we were talking about issues that are on the forefront of, uh, of the church, things that are dividing churches, things that are dividing our country, and it was an honor to be there, but there was a moment when they said, there are some of you who've had a painful time, and you just need to spend some time with the Lord, and so they said a few other things, and they invited people to come down to what we would call the altar, and really it's just the front of the room, and it's a symbolic gesture to say, I'm going to get up from where I am and go someplace else to say, God, I'm willing to walk across the room to meet you. Does that make sense? And so I got up and I walked to the front of the room 
And I was standing at the front of the room and there was worship playing and I just began to worship the Lord. And then the spirit of grief came over me and I began to weep. There were tears falling on my arms, falling on my shirt, fogging up my glasses. So inconvenient to cry. And in the middle of this time when I was spending with God, I felt two arms come up behind me and wrap around me tightly. And then I felt someone's face lean into my shoulder and they began to weep with me. And together we cried. A friend, someone who knew what I was going through, someone who I allowed into my life, joined me at the altar of God and began to weep with me. And I want to tell you the healing that takes place in that moment is unlike any other. The servant leader presses into the pain because he knows or she knows that healing is available on the other side of it. So many examples in Scripture. Jesus, for instance, Jesus in the wilderness. And he pressed into it because he knew that there was a result that was coming. Uh, Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. He, he, was, he was vulnerable in the Garden of Gethsemane. And, and you, you remember he was asking the Lord, Lord, if there's another way to do this, if I know the pain that's coming, but if there's another way to do this, let's do that. But then he said, it's not my will, but your will. And then when he came away from that time and he saw the men that he had invested his life with were asleep, the vulnerability turned to, I don't know, frustration? A little bit of disappointment? That guys, we've lived life together and you couldn't endure the pain with me for an hour. Jesus was human. All God, but all human. And so the vulnerability is real. And, if, and we believe that if, if Jesus can show vulnerability and, and need the people in his life to walk him and to be with him through pain and adversity, what would make us any different? So I want to paint a picture of what we see here at Christian Center Church. I want to paint a picture of vulnerability here at Christian Center Church. Can, can, you, can you bear with me for a moment? Vulnerability. Somebody throw out a word that, that you associate with vulnerability. Anybody? Humility. Open. Anybody else? Scary. Yes. Trust. Fragile. All of these are real, but all of these are key to true vulnerability. The definition of vulnerability here at Christian Center is in a word picture, and this was given to me this week by a dear friend of mine. He said it like this. Have you ever been to a museum? Raise your hand if you've been to a museum. 
And in that museum, there's a section that's roped off. There's a velvet rope. And you know that there's something going on back there. Maybe it's dusty. Maybe there's a, a visqueen curtain, plastic. There's something that's happening back there. But in that moment, it's not finished. It's in the middle of being repaired or being transformed or something is happening. And, and, and you get a sense that there's something great that's going to be because there, there are signs. There are small signs of, of, oh, pardon our dust, but wait till we reveal. Or, or maybe there's a picture of a vision of what it's going to be like. And, and there's something that's on the other side of what is going on behind the curtain. And, and, and you see that picture. You know, I, I, I love this one, one pastor who's, who had a box of Legos. I love Legos. And it was a Star Wars Lego. And it was the beautiful Death Star, you know. And, and, and it was like, the vision looks like this. But all that God gave me is one piece. Are you content with one piece? And so, so behind the curtain, there's all this stuff going on, and there's these signs and velvet ropes. But we define vulnerability at Christian Center like this. Take the velvet rope down and walk through because everything is an open book. You are welcome to see the process. You are welcome to see it not in its finished form. You are welcome to look upon the process because it's not the destination, it's the journey. So this morning, as we think about that, as we think about how God has invited us all to be vulnerable in this moment, to open up our lives to one another, to find those trusted friends, hopefully here, that can walk us through and be with us as we walk through pain and adversity and struggle and trial, opening ourselves up and saying, I'm not perfect I'm a work in progress. This is a struggle. Would you join me in it? As we open that up, as we begin to to go through these things, keep that in mind, that God is with you in the midst of your struggle, and so are we. And this is a safe place to hurt. This is a safe place to not be okay. This is a safe place to struggle. Amen, Levi. Pain is the catalyst for growth. Pain is the invitation for God to move in and replace the faltering strength within your heart. By not facing your pain or facing the pain in your heart, you are saying this, I'm okay, I've got this. I'm okay, I've got this. 2 Corinthians 12 says it like this. This was Paul speaking. A thorn was given to me in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, what? My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in your weakness. But when we are weak, we don't want to talk to anybody. When we are struggling, we don't want to open up to anyone. When we're dealing with pain, we don't want to speak to anybody about it. 
But it's in that moment that God says, my grace is sufficient and my power is made perfect in your weakness. So the second part of the statement this morning of a servant leader presses into the pain is this. The hireling runs from pain. The hireling runs from pain. We're going to get into what a hireling is in just a second. But let me level with you. God is doing something in you. Trust him. All around the room, I see people that God is doing something in, something new. Trust him and trust the process. I want to lay a foundation for what's going to happen a little bit later in this service. I'm going to give an invitation for you to come now to leave your current situation and come here and say, God, I'm pressing into the pain. And at that moment, I will anoint you with oil and we will trust God together that he will get us through this season and that the results of it will be amazing. So I want you to lay that on your heart right now as we get into what is a hireling. A hireling. In Job chapter 7, verse 2, it says, a hireling looks for the reward of his work. So they're in it for the results. A hireling, someone who is hired, someone who is there for the day, someone who is there for a small season, a short season, someone who's not invested, someone who doesn't have the greater interest in mind of the people involved. They count the time. When I was a teenager, I worked several jobs. My first job was a dishwasher at a restaurant called Tiny Nailers. Anybody know of Tiny Nailers? Yes, my dad. Tiny Nailers on the corner of Lakewood Boulevard and Imperial Highway. I was young. I was on my bicycle. I saw a help wanted sign. I desperately needed money. I I wanted money. I didn't need it. Then I walked in and I inquired and they said, matter of fact, we're hiring. We'll train you to be a dishwasher. And I was excited. I'm going to wash dishes. The thing I hate to do at home, I'm going to do for a living. So I never forget my first breakfast shift and the first plate that came back with cigarette butts all over it. Ooh, you could smoke in restaurants back then. And crusty egg and rags with people blown their nose and just all kinds of disgusting things. And I quickly realized I am not enjoying this one bit. I didn't know that the owner of the restaurant was trying to make his mortgage. I didn't know that the owner of the restaurant was desperately trying to put his daughter through college. I had no idea of those things. I didn't know that this, this was his second attempt of having a business to make a go of it, to be successful enough to be able to have a decent life. I didn't care. I didn't want to touch cigarette butts and crusty egg. And so I began to count the minutes when my shift is over at, and I began to look at the clock, and the clock would count down, 
And regardless of what was happening, that, that I think, second or third shift, third shift, when my time was time to go, I walked out the back door. My time is over. And I'll never forget, the owner pulled me aside when I came back in. He said, you go when the dishes are done, not when your time is up. I wasn't invested. I was a hireling. I quit that job quickly. I didn't understand. I didn't want to understand. I was in it for the paycheck. I think part of it was I wanted my dad to be proud of me for having a job. But it was too hard for a 16-year-old. This is stupid. I think I was 15. This is lame. I was a hireling. A hireling counts their time. Isaiah 16, 14. But now the Lord says, within three years, as a servant bound by contract would count, Moab's splendor and all her many people will be despised. A hireling counts the time. Well, I've been here long enough. I've put in my time. What else could anybody expect? A hireling wonders how long will this take and a servant leader waits as long as it takes. A hireling may seem like a team player, but when it gets hot, they begin to melt under the pressure. Our word sincere comes from the Latin sina and sira, which was a common term used by uh, potters or artists when they wanted to show and prove that their work did not have cracks or flaws. And so what they would do is they would place wax in the middle of the flaws. These are, these are uh, potters and workers who wanted to fool people. When there would be a crack, they'd place wax in the, in the crack, and they would sell it as brand new, or they would sell it as unblemished. And then people would get those vessels home, they'd put hot things in it, or they would be in a home where there was heat, or they would apply a fire, and then the wax would begin to melt and reveal the flaw. And so Sina Sira meant without wax. And so reputable potters, reputable people would put up a sign in their organization that would say, all of our materials are without wax or they have integrity, or they're sincere. But the word used in the biblical context is where we get the word hypocrite. And, and the Greek word used, I'm not going to attempt to say it, just means without hypocrisy. So where we see the word sincere, it literally means without hypocrisy. And the word that was translated to hypocrite was meant to be someone who was in a play or a theater production who wore a mask. And so the understanding would be without a mask. This is a person who does not have a mask. What you see is what you get. They're not hiding anything behind something. John 10, 12 says this, the hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. 
The hireling doesn't care about the sheep. The hireling cares about how they're viewed. The hireling cares about the reward they'll receive for doing something. The hireling cares about how it looks. The servant leader is willing to wait and do whatever it takes to get to what God is trying to do. And so I've said all that to land on this. The servant leader presses into the pain. Psalm 66.10 says this, You have tested us, O God. You have purified us like silver. There is a process that you are in, and it's called the refiner's fire. Does anybody remember the song? Maybe you've been in church for a while. Refiner's fire. Sing it if you know it. My heart's one desire is to be holy, set apart for you, Lord. I choose to be holy, set apart for you, my master. Ready to do your will. And there's all those beautiful words, but they come after the words, refiner's fire. The refiner's fire is not a comfortable place, but that is where you find yourself this morning. So I want to walk through what the refiner's fire looks like. What is the process? Why do we go through it? What is God wanting to have as a result of it? It's a multi-stage process that refines us. And we're being refined for God's glory. Stage one, the breaking. Where are you at? Are you with me, Gabe? Stage one, the breaking. The refiner breaks up the natural ore. Everything in the natural is a supernatural correlation. The refiner breaks up with a hammer the natural. How many of you have had God break up your natural? Man, I got the things that I like to do. I I like to do things a certain way, and God has broken that up. It's not working for me. You've given your heart to Jesus. You've said yes to Jesus, and then all of a sudden, the natural begins to get broken in your life. In biblical times, the refiner began by breaking up the rough ore or the the rock, the hardened rock, encased with common minerals such as tin, copper, and zinc. But that rock also had the promise of valuable rare metals hidden deep within. The precious metals of gold and silver, the breaking of the rock is necessary to begin the refining process to expose highly valuable metals to heat. The Lord communicates his perfect plan to us. We are rough rock in need of refining fire. Jeremiah 23, 29 says it like this. It is not not my word like fire, declares the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks a rock into pieces. How many of you this morning are sitting here by show of hands say, I have been broken by the refiner? Amen. Stage two, the crucible. The crucible. The refiner places unrefined silver into a crucible. A crucible is a 
fireproof melting pot able to withstand extreme heat. The refiner puts the broken crushed ore into the crucible because he knows that that crucible is getting ready to go into what? The furnace. You say, God, you've put me into this furnace and it's burning hot. But God, before that, placed you into his crucible, his love that can withstand extreme temperatures that will protect you in the middle of what seemingly is destruction. The crucible is his protection. Then the refiner places the crucible into the furnace set at the precise temperature. I found out this week that you can't just heat it up. It's got to be at the precise temperature. If it's too hot, it'll ruin it. If it's too low, it won't work. So when God places you in his love and begins to refine you, he knows exactly what you can take. And he places it at the right temperature. Necessary for remove up to remove other metals that would mar the quality of the gold and silver. Just as the furnace is used to purify silver in the crucible, our refiner uses heat to purify our hearts and cleanse our character. Proverbs 17.3 says it like this. The crucible for silver and the furnace for gold, but the Lord tests the heart. Stage three, the dross. The refiner places the crucible in the heated furnace to remove the dross. As the ore melts in the crucible under the watchful eye of the refiner, a layer of impurities called dross eventually forms on the surface. The Bible says it like this, to remove the dross from the silver and the silversmith can produce a vessel. In order for the refiner to make you a suitable vessel to carry out his will, he's got to remove the impurities. This is the stage that many of us are in. There are things that are within us that are impure. There are things that are within us that God is saying, I I need that out of you. And he begins to heat things up. And we're heated up to a temperature where those things begin to separate. And you can see that those things are separating. Why? Because they're bubbling to the surface. Catch me. Understand what I'm saying there. You notice it because it's bubbling to the surface. What bubbles to the surface for me is my impatience. And when I'm heated up, impatience bubbles to the surface. And time and time again, God says, I'm heating you up so that impatience can bubble to the surface. And I say, thank you, Lord. And I don't do anything about it. And the heat goes away, and what happens? That dross sinks right back into the middle of me. So what is a God to do? We're going to heat it up again. Let's heat it up again. And it bubbles to the surface. Yay! And again, I do nothing about it. 
You're going to keep going through what you go through until you grow through. Amen? You're going to keep going through what you go through until you grow through. So God is saying, grow through it. When he heats it up and the impurities begin to bubble to the surface, don't say, I want to hide that. I want to make that disappear. I want to make that go away. Don't say, I don't want that to be known by people. Say to the person next to you, I'm feeling impatient right now. Help me understand this. Brenda, I'm feeling impatient. Help me understand. Help me. Walk me through this. I need your help. You're the one who understands me more than anybody. And what she does is she begins to put her hand on my shoulder and rub and say, what is God saying? What is God saying? Let's get through this. When you gave birth to Levi, Journey, when you gave birth to Levi, the pain was great, but Ryan stood by your side and he And he blessed you and he said, we're going to get through this. We're going to get through this. And the result is her. So when God heats you up and you begin to see the things that he wants to remove from your life, give him permission like the skilled refiner to get the right tool and to scoop the dross off the surface. But you have to give him permission to do that, and it hurts. For us individually, dross represents any misplaced dependency, any wrong motive, any wrong attitude, any wrong action, anything that keeps us from being all that God wants us to be. Stage four, the heat. The refiner raises the temperature to higher degrees. After the refiner painstakingly skims off the impurities, he then turns up the heat and places the crucible back into the blistering furnace. Again and again. How many have experienced this? Again and again. I've already been through this. I'm going through it again and again and again. There's something more that God is wanting. Up to seven times, we're told in historical literature, impurities rise to the surface. He knows that only certain impurities are released at certain temperatures. How many have gone through a very difficult time of your life and you've dealt with some things and all of a sudden you're in an even more difficult time of your life? God knows that certain things are only released at certain temperatures. But you can withstand the heat Because you've already been through it. And it gets a little hotter, and it gets a little hotter, and you begin to trust that the refiner knows what he's doing. Impurities rise to the surface. He knows that only certain impurities can be released at certain temperatures. Psalm 12, 6 says it like this. And the words of the Lord are flawless, like silver purified in a crucible, like gold refined seven times. Stage five, the purification The refiner continues to remove the impurities. Each time with utmost skill and patience, the refiner removes the dross, leaving behind gleaming gold and shimmering silver, more pure and precious than before. To gauge his progress, listen now, to gauge his progress, the refiner looks for his own reflection in the final product. So picture with me, if you will, a vessel with nearly pure silver or gold. It's been heated up 
and the dross has been removed, the impurities have been removed, it's been heated up again and again and again, and it's gone through this process again and again and again, and the refiner then looks into the crucible and says, how do I know I'm getting close? I can see myself. I can see my reflection in the silver. Are you at a place where God can see his reflection in you? Are you allowing yourself to be in such a place where God can see his reflection? Lord, may I shine like the moon, a reflection of the sun at night, casting the pure light of the sun on everything in darkness. Every single night, there is a moon that can be seen by this earth. God is saying to us, this is your job. To stand there, there's nothing you can offer. You're empty. You're formless. There's no life that can be sustained. But the moon reflects the light of the sun and casts light onto the dark earth. God is no dummy. He is an artist. And he shows us every night. He knows the way that I take. When he has tested me, I will come forth as gold. Stage six, the reflection. The refiner sees the clear image of himself. Only when the refiner looks into the crucible and sees the clear reflection of himself is the process complete. Finally, the silver attains its highest degree of purity, and that, my friend, describes a refiner's loving intentions for allowing us to be in the furnace of affliction. Isaiah 48.10 says, See, I have refined you, though not as silver, I have tested you in the furnace of affliction. The servant leader presses into the pain. The hireling runs. The hireling runs. This is too hard. There have been people who have come to this church and have said, the things that you are talking about, the things that we are dealing with are too difficult. I would rather run and hide and continue to be miserable than to allow anybody to see the real, deep, dark things that are within me that God is trying to refine. And until we're willing to say, I am an open book and willing for everyone to see, God can't do anything with you. So the question that I posed to you early, earlier is this. How many of you are ready to press into the pain and watch God grow you? How many are ready to say, I'm willing to be in the crucible because God is doing something greater than I could ever imagine? It hurts right now, but I'm willing. And if that's you, from the front of the room to the back of the room, to the right of the room, to the left of the room. It doesn't matter where you sit. It doesn't matter who's to the right or the left of you. It doesn't matter what you think someone's gonna say. If that's you and you're ready to say, God, I'm willing to let you refine me and whatever that looks like, I just want you to stand to your feet right where you are. Amen. Father, would you see these here? Lord, they are ready to be refined by you.
The second question is like the first. Those of you who are ready to have someone walk with you down this pathway, I need this church, I need these people, I need the healing that comes from being connected to community. If that's you, I just want you to come right down to the front of the room. Just come on down to the front of the room. Amen. Nick, would you come up and play a little bit for us? Father, thank you this morning for those in this room. Lord, your fire, your refiner's fire is so perfect, Lord God. And Lord, we thank you, Jesus, for what you're doing. And Lord, right now, we anoint each with your oil. Lord God, we'll come back to you guys. Father, thank you so much. Lord, would you begin to speak to every heart in this room. Make room if you can. If you're over there, make room. Father, would you, in the name of Jesus, begin to speak to the hearts of every person in this room, every person who's come forth this morning. Lord, they are ready to get into the fire of of affliction or because they know that in that fire of affliction, that's where you dwell. That's where your greatness is seen. That's where their life will be changed in the fire of affliction. In Jesus' name, we thank you for that. Lord God, we thank you. Just begin to pray for one another right now in Jesus' name. If you're near someone, begin to lay hands on them and begin to pray for them. Thank you, Father, for what you're doing. Lord, we anoint each one of these. Lord, and we thank you for what you're doing in their life. Lord, we ask you in Jesus' name to touch them individually and specifically for your work, for your love, Lord God. Father, you're doing a great work. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Would you, right where you are, begin to ask the person to the right or the left if there's something specifically that you can pray for them for? And if there is, would you begin to pray for them? Would you begin to believe for them? Begin to believe for them right now in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Share your affliction with those around you. Share your affliction with those around you as we anoint, as we anoint for great things. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Let me come down here. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Every heart, Lord God, called according to your purposes, the great things of God are of God is within you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Anoint this young woman. Thank you, Lord. A little bit for baby girl. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. This is your family. This is your family. And they stand with you this morning. And they stand with you in pain. And they stand with you in in affliction. And they love you. And God is moving in your life. Thank you, Lord. Lord, thank you, Jesus. 
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we've anointed every one of these for the journey. Lord, the journey is not fun. But when we know the outcome, Lord God, it's something we can endure. And we know that you have promised us that you'll never leave us or forsake us. And so God, whatever it is we're going through, whatever struggle we're facing, whatever trial we're in the midst of, Lord God, you are there with us in the midst of it. And you are looking for your reflection. You are looking for your reflection that the impurities would be removed. As you're here this morning, we just lift your hands before the Lord. Father, today is a new day. Today is a new day for each one of us, Lord God. Is Lord, we are not gonna run from it anymore. We are not gonna run from the pain. We're not gonna run from the affliction. We're not gonna run from the struggle. Lord, we're gonna press into it. Lord, because it's in the middle of it that, Lord, you do your best work. Lord, we're gonna surrender to it. And we're gonna say, God, have your will and your way in us. Remove the impurities, Lord God. We are willing to be in the crucible of your love. And as you do that, Lord God, may you strengthen us for the journey. May you place people around us who love us for who we are, not what we can do for them. Lord, would unconditional love begin to rise up within this group, this family. Lord, mothers and fathers to children, husbands and wives to one another, raise up unconditional love in Jesus' name in this moment. Because it's only in unconditional love, Lord God, that people can become the very person that you've called them to be, the very best of who you've called them to be. If you're down here this morning and you, you didn't get anointed with oil, just hang for a second and we'll, we'll do it. But say this with me. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. If God is for you, who can be against you? If God is on your side, whom shall you fear? May you be like a tree that's planted by rivers of living water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf will not wither, and whatsoever you do, it shall prosper. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You started something, Lord Jesus. It's going to get hairy. It's going to get harder. It's going to get difficult. But we press into it, and we press into one another in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you want to get baptized this morning, the baptistry is nice and warm. We'd love for you to do that. Um, you don't have to stay to watch that. You can go. You can hang around. If you want to be baptized, just hang out over there and Ted will come talk to you. And if